We love you, Jesus. Amen. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Can we just praise him for a second before we have our seats? Come on, let's praise him. We love you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Man, let's thank God for a just talented, wonderful worship team that ushers us into his presence week after week after week. And I also want to bring attention to some people who've worked very hard. If you look at our set design today, our worship design team, uh, led by our, our worship pastor, Kristen Hofer, along with our communications director, Haley Bourne, and our tech director, Alan Kitt. Hey, let's give a shout out to the tech people. You know, all this stuff just happens up here. Come on, a little bit better than that, a little bit better than that. But you know, they had some help with this set design because we had Mike Walker. If you were here this morning, would you just stand? I know it might be a little, you know, you might be a little embarrassed, but we're going to ask you this. Mike Walsh, I see you over there. Mary Kate and Jason McClain, Will Bourne, Ellie Grace Hughes, Jacqueline and Daniel Waller. If y'all will all stand, we just want to give you just, a, just, just show our appreciation for this work that you've done here on this set design. Thank you all very much. Now, if you're wondering, the set design is a reminder of our theme for the year, uh, body building. That's our theme for the year. Say that with me. Body building. building. And, and there's a passage of scripture uh, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, but I just want to narrow, get a narrow focus here, just, just in, in these verses, 11 through 13. And Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ now, if you look at this in the Amplified Bible, it, it clearly helps us understand that when Paul referred to the body of Christ, he was talking about the church, right. the church, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Huh? In, in that lofty goal right there? We want to become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The body of Christ, the church. Now, now we know, we see in scripture that when, when, when Peter was asked who was Jesus and he said that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, upon that statement, upon that fact, Jesus replied to him that, that I'll, you know, you are a rock and I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Matthew 20, in, in, in the Matthew, God, uh, Jesus gave the marching orders, if you will, the mission to the church. But we have our own unique version, our own unique calling of what we're about here at Christ Community Church. And all last year, I kept, we kept interjecting this. We kept putting this into messages. And I hope you got it by now, but just in case you don't, we exist to awaken the broken to a life of wholeness found in Jesus. Amen. That is what we do. If, you, if you're new, if you're online, maybe visiting online because you couldn't get your own church, and you know, we want you to know who we are, what we're about. This is what we're about, to awaken the broken to a life of wholeness found in Jesus. That's why communion, in times like when we just celebrated communion and that song that was playing, you know, I hope that all of you who have a measure of brokenness in you, and I know I do and I know all of us share, but in Jesus, we find wholeness. 
Anybody need to be whole in here today? Amen. Yeah, yeah. I see some hands raising. I see some hands almost raised. So, so with that being said, we're coming into a new series. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the previous series. Did you all enjoy the previous series where we talked about covenants? Yeah. Especially last week as Pastor Kelly just brought it to a, to a close, talking about the new covenant. But we want to shift gears now because for the month of February, we're going to be in a series that we're calling Core Work. We're the church, and in this series, in the month of February, all, every four Sundays in the month of February, we're going to be talking about core work. Now, before we get into the message, Jason, what, when you hear that phrase, that, that core work, what comes to your mind? Yeah, I think when I hear core work, I, I constantly think of, like my brother Kyle right over here, who works out, and, you know, for us, our core is here, and if we don't take care of our core, which is the center of who we are, then it's going to cause pain and possibly injure us. It's going to affect how we are as a body. We're not going to be able to function correctly. Amen. Amen. I'll add to that, that, that the core work, when we do core work, you know, it, it stabilizes us. It, it gives us, a, it helps us with our balance. Everything else works off the core. Now I wore me a big sweater this morning, so you won't see my core. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you get the idea, don't you? Well, we want to transfer that into our life together as a body of believers. We have a core. We have a core. And the reason why we're taking this time during the month of February is because we want to invite all of you to do the work of understanding our core. See, when we understand our core, we, we get a very good, we can grasp on what we do. What we do, that's our mission statement. Mm -hmm. Why we do it. That's our values. Mm -hmm. When we know we are successful, we call those mission measures. That's right. And then how we go about engaging one another to accomplish that mission. That's, that's what we're going to do. And this morning, we're going to start out with talking about our core values. Now, I don't know, maybe some of y'all might need to work on your core right now. You know, how do you work on your core? You do planks. You know, you do those exercises right there, like that, right there. See, I didn't think I could do that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> But, but, but here for the next couple of weeks, we just want to work on our core. Why? Why? Because God has given us a clear mission. If we're going to be about awakening the broken to a life of wholeness found in Jesus, we need to know why that's important to us. That's right. And again, I appeal to everyone here, whether you're a member, whether you just, just happen to stop in here this morning, whether you're visiting and you're a member of another church, I challenge you if you're a member of another church, you, you, whatever we say here that pertains to us, translate it to your context. Because our churches, our ch you know, we, we're not, we don't come here, we don't come, I think Maria said this, we don't come here just to hang out. This is not a social club. Now we get some social needs met, that's one of the beauties of it, but really, we're on mission. We're on mission. Mm -hmm. And so let, let, let's, let's, let's keep going. Core work. So the title of this message this morning is Pursuing and Extending. And if you hadn't caught the hint by now, Jason and I are going to share this message. So um, let's pray. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather in front of your people once again and, and for Jason and myself to, to proclaim your word. And Father, we ask you to give us focus, that we may be able to share what it is that you place in our heart in a timely manner. 
And that, Lord, for all of us assembled today, that we would see how this pertains to our lives, how we fit into this body It's called a church. What's our part? What's, how do, what part do we play? We pray, Father, that you give us just unusual focus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, pursuing. You know, we have four core values. The first one is this, pursuing God. Pursuing God. Now, you can see these on the website. You can see them on the app. And, and as you notice, there's three scriptures that support this idea of pursuing God. We're going to take one today, and we're going to use this one passage to kind of unfold or un unveil what we mean by pursuing God. The core value itself, pursuing God. Because God is our source of life, we pursue him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Say those four with me. Heart, Heart soul, soul, mind, and strength. Now, because he's our source, because at first, you know, he loved us before we ever had any idea of loving him back. He first loved us. Y'all know that, right? That's right. But, but as our loving him, we pursue with our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. Now, we, we love to, to make sure there's a spiritual foundation to all the things we're going to talk about here today. And, and we're going to take that middle passage, that Mark 12, 30. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark 12. Let me give you a little content, and we're going to keep on moving. In Mark 12, if you have your Bibles open, if you go back to verse number 1 of Mark 12, we find that Jesus is having this ongoing conversation with Sadducees and, 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 and teachers of the law. You know, they, 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 they kind of ask him these questions. Really, they're trying to trap him. They're trying, you know, because he's come on the scene and he's teaching with power and authority, and he's talking about usher, ushering in this kingdom, this new kingdom, and it's upsetting them. And so, look down at, at verse number, look, look down, before we get to 30, look at verse number 28. After a couple of questions back and forth, and Jesus answered with such clarity, such power, that, you know, they, this, this, this young man, this teacher of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus answered, the most important one is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then in verse 30, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he gave him some bonus material because he said, in the second, is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, of course, he's, he's referenced a scripture that this, this teacher was very familiar with. He was referencing Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, and in the second one, Leviticus 19, 18. But I just want to park here for a second, because in order to understand what we mean by pursuing God, I think we need to examine this even a little closer. See, we have, with our, with our core values, we, 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 try to, we try to paint the picture of what it looks like. Demonstrated by, read this with me, committing daily to worship, prayer, and the Word. Living out our commitment, not only at church, but at home, work, and play. 
yielding every part of our lives to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're hearing perfection in anything that I'm saying to you right now, just stop that. We're talking about progress. We're trying to get here. That's why it's pursuing God. That's, that's why we are, we're on a pathway to pursue God. And when we're when we successful at it, it looks like the demonstrated statement. But then, as I said, we want to talk about what we're about, why we, why we do what we do, and then, and then when do we know when we've hit the mark? Let me introduce you to another part of what we call a vision frame. It's a mission measure. This is a question, you know, you, you might want to take a picture of this or write this down because this, take, this is a, a great question to ask yourself and others in your circle every now and then. See, when we are hitting the mark and is pursuing God, when we ask the question, how is your soul, we can give a response of, it is well. When we're not loving God as God desires us to love him, then there's something about our soul that's off. When we're not loving one another, something about our soul is unsettled. So if you want a, a litmus test, if you will, to know if we are hitting the mark when it comes to this first core value, and I love to use these questions. We love to use these questions. We use them at staff meetings sometimes. We use it at leadership community when we gather, the leaders gather together. It's powerful to watch a group of people just sit around a table and ask and answer this question. How is my soul? But, as I said, we want to drill down on this one core value. There's four descriptions of the kind of love God desires from us that we find in this passage. And I just want to walk through these four, and then I'm going to toss it over to Jason, and I'll probably do some planks or something while you keep going, okay? Please, do. I want to see core. that right here Work on, my on this core. table. Work on my core. <laughs> All right. See, the first thing is, he said, and, and notice now, notice, I, I, want, I, want, I want to say this very clearly. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. What does he mean by all your heart? That's to love God exclusively. Him and him alone. Matthew 6, 24, it's another conversation um, Jesus was having. He said this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Interesting that he would use money there because our wealth, our stuff sometimes gets more attention than God. Second one, our soul. He said to love us with all our soul, to love God by being satisfied in him more than any other person or thing. That's, that's, that's the kind of love God desires from us. Matthew 10, 37 through 39, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are Jesus' words. Now, he's not, he's not insinuating that we should hate our mother and father or our, 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 our son or daughter. Because, see, hate in this context means less than love, anything less than love. So, so we should love him. 
That's what God is after. That is, that is what pursuing God means. That's what the goal is. And if we do this, then we are more apt to fulfill the mission of what we're about, what we do. That's two. Three, our mind. To love God by making decision to obey his every command. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Listen to that. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Aren't you glad that Jesus pared down those 613 commands just down to two? Love God and love others. The fourth one, strength. With all our strength, what do we mean by this? With all our strength, to love God by persevering in the face of every trial. We, 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 we call upon James to help us understand this. James, in James 1, verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. It's like a couple that's been married for a very long time. You know, I'm always awed by couples that I meet. It's been married for 40, 50, 60 years. You know what's happened in that relationship? They have persevered. They've walked through the down times. They've walked through the sicknesses. They walk through the disappointments, but you know, at the end of the day, they still love one another. And that's the strength that God desires for us to love him. Chase? Here are the four, in case you just want to catch it all together. But then we move to the second part. Well, thank you, Pastor Derek. And I know that... uh challenges me every time I hear that to how do I continue to pursue God but I, I think also one of the things that we we do well here and one thing that we can learn is is this next one extending grace uh, I, I know all of us need grace in our lives this morning all of us do as you look at this we the core value here is extending grace and it says because God accepts us forgives us and desires to make us whole we freely extend his grace and love in all of our relationships. Now, just like the other ones, we have multiple passages here, but we're going to focus on one this morning, and that's uh, the Romans 12, 15, and 16. And we're going to look at Romans 12 uh, as a whole here in just a minute. But I want to read with you this Romans 12, 15, and 16. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So Romans 12 here, it gives us a good picture of this. And we have this, this core value of extending grace. But just like Pastor Derek did, talked about how, do we, how does that demonstrate it, this is what we've come up with, how we can demonstrate that we've been extending grace. So it's demonstrated by engaging in life together with transparency, humility, and compassion. We also do that by devoting ourselves to speak the truth in love. 
You know, sometimes Pastor Derek has to speak the truth and love to me at work. And you do to me as well. And, you know, is that easy? No, it's not always easy, but sometimes we have to do that. We also do this by modeling God's acceptance in a way that welcomes the broken, promotes forgiveness, and allows freedom to fail. I am so thankful that I'm in a church where I don't have to be perfect to come. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I was waiting for that. Thank you. Well, again, we talked about how do we measure this, and our mission measure here is, am I cultivating healthy relationships and community? Look at that again. Am I cultivating healthy relationships and community? Authentic ones, generous relationships, and grace-filled relationships. That's a lot to do in one little thing. Generous, authentic, and grace-filled relationships as we do that. You know, as we talk about extending grace, one thing that we have to realize here at Christ Community, if we are here to awaken the broken to a life of wholeness found in Jesus, we have got to learn how to extend grace. Yeah. That's where you amen, okay? When I'm broken, I'm a mess. That's right. That's so, so, you know, you got to give me grace. Amen to that. that yeah. that's, that's one thing I appreciate about our staff is that we, listen, we all are not perfect, and we are able to extend grace to each other as we work with each other. Um, this, this past week, uh, Pastor Mason and I were talking about the sermon coming up, and he said something as we were talking about this passage that, man, it just, it pierced me. And I wrote it down and said, repeat that. And he repeated it, and I typed it down, and I asked him this morning how much he's going to charge me to say this. So he said he, he wouldn't charge me. So, but he said this, this is a profound initiation to extend God's grace to broken people. This doesn't appeal to our flesh, but it is where we find Jesus. Whoa. Where we find Jesus is extending grace. Because guess what? That's what he's doing for you today. Well, this, I, I want to share with you four ways that we can freely extend grace and love in all our relationships. First one, we must present ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice. That's Romans 12, 1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You realize this is part of our worship is bringing ourselves and presenting ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice. This word present means, it really means to be at someone's disposal. Now that's not always easy and that's not always comfortable, but we need to be at someone's disposal sometimes to extend grace. This word holy is to be set apart. God has set you apart to be holy. The second thing I think we can learn here is that we must transform our mind. Verse 2 of chapter 12, it says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. When I was in college, one of my uh, mentors said to me, Notice that this verse, Pastor Derek, notice it didn't say the removal of your mind, Hmm. but the renewing of your mind. Not the removal. We're not going to remove our minds in this. We, God has given our minds to think and to process and to judge and to make sure that what we're saying is true and right. But we're to be transformed. This word transformed is the same word that's used in Matthew 17 too, when Jesus is transfigured before the disciples into the essence of who he is. And that's what here is saying here is our minds to be transformed to be like Jesus. Thirdly, 
So first, we must present ourselves a living and holy sacrifice. We must transform our mind. Thirdly, we must love genuinely. In verse 9 of chapter 12, it says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. This word here, without hypocrisy, is, is genuine. It means genuine. And uh, I heard a pastor say one time, he said, listen, it's, it's back in the days of biblical times, pottery was something that was an essential part of daily life. And so as you would go to the market, you would see people selling pottery everywhere. And sometimes these people would try to pass off a broken piece of pottery. And the way they would do that is they would use wax to fill in the gaps and to fix the cracks. But the way that they would find out if that was true or not is they would hold that piece of pottery up to the light. And guess what? You see the cracks. If there were no cracks, it would be stamped genuine. Now think about that for a second. Do you have cracks? Jesus wants to heal that. He mm. wants to be able to hold you up to the light of who he is and his Holy Spirit and stamp you genuine. And it's okay. If you got cracks, he can heal you. Fourth way. We must walk in unity. This is verses 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You know, to rejoice when others have something to rejoice in is, is pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, we can get up and be excited about that. It's easy to rejoice whenever we have things to rejoice it's not so easy to mourn when people are mourning. I'm a part-time hospital chaplain, and sometimes I have to stand there with somebody who's watching their loved one pass. And you know, the idea of mourning together is not just that we're present, although the ministry of presence is so important, but here what it's talking about is, you know, I've learned a lot about how people will mourn together and how different cultures mourn together. And let me tell you, I have learned so much from other cultures that weep together. I, you know, I'm not a crier well much. My wife will probably say I am sometimes. But some cultures, men, to weep together means not just that, that I'm, I'm experiencing you mourning, but I'm mourning with you. I'm taking on that pain and hurt that you are experiencing. And here, this is what it means. We must walk in unity as we do this. We have to set our minds on being intentional with one another. That's very hard sometimes, especially... Listen, our church is, is diverse for a reason. Because guess what? When we die and go to heaven, it's going to be diverse up there. Okay? It's going to be diverse. And, but we have to set our minds together. You know what that means? That sometimes we're going to disagree about some things, but the one thing we're going to agree about is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Derek and I talked about how do, we, how do we take what we've talked about now, but how do, we get, how do we get it to practical? So I have two questions here that I want to leave you with that I really want you to think about. Number one, have you received God's grace, then applied God's grace to areas of your life where you need it? Well, this hit me personally, because you know what? Oftentimes, we're the one that won't give ourselves grace. 
Let me say that again. Oftentimes, we're the one that won't give ourselves grace. Give yourself some grace. Because guess what? God has. 